0: Everyone and welcome to the Go Tech, Please Don't Die Podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And this week we had the pleasure of seeing Scott Para yell to the camera, that's some bullshit. I'm not sure if you could read the lips as well as I could. I'm not usually very good at it, but it was pretty obvious.
1: Dang. Yeah, a lot um, to talk about in this game that was utterly disappointing. Dub's a dub. I don't understand this Scott Para fellow. He's a character But I don't. <laughs> What's this man's problem? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was watching I... the I was watching the game, and uh, Julia was sitting next to me uh, with our baby, and uh, yeah, I'm getting pretty heated because the for reasons we'll get to later. But at the end of it, he was so mad and so furious. Julia looked at me and said, "Who? Who? Who?" Who hurt this man? <laughs> Said we did, twice. Dang. Uh, but yeah. yeah, what a what an angry, uh, strange fellow. But what? A, and I'm not even really sure what he was particularly angry about.
0: It was a a couple minutes earlier there was a charge, but we'll talk about that in a second right. because I think that right. that was that was kind of a carryover from all of that, even though it happened several real minutes <laughs> later. But yeah, let's jump into this rice game real quick and do the quick game recap. Every single possible thing went. Well for the Bulldogs early, as insanely hot shooting propelled Tech out to a 41-20 lead in the first 14 minutes, but then only a single three-pointer fell, and no two-point shots or one-point shots, for the dogs for the rest of the half, allowing Rice to cut into the deficit and end the half on an 8-0 run, making it 44-28 Tech at intermission. And now it was time for the owl shooting to really heat up. After scoring 28 points in the first 20 minutes, Rice scores 27 in the next 10, And with the Tech shooting really cooling off, Rice takes their first lead of the game. Jordan Crawford hits back-to-back threes to take back the lead for the Bulldogs, but another Rice run provided another lead change, and the Owls were now up 66-64 with under six minutes to play. It was tied again with 77 seconds left to play. Uh, Kenny Hunter hit a layup to put Tech up by two. Uh, Crawford got a steal with 24 seconds left but missed the front end of the 1-1, allowing Rice the chance to tie or even take the lead. They're trying to hold for the final shot. Rice tries to set up a play, but Mechie Mason extends his elbow into Draven Magnum, who draws the charge. (laughs) Tech now has to inbound the ball, gets the ball to Kobe, and after uh, he's fouled, he makes both his free throws, putting Tech up 76 to 72. A missed three-pointer by Travis Evie effectively ends it, but like we alluded to earlier, a technical foul on Coach Scott Para with (laughs) 0.8 seconds left. Allows Tech to win by eight instead of four after four foul shots are sunk by Kobe Williams and the Dogs complete their seventh straight win over Rice 80 to 72.
1: Which is fantastic. So, instant reaction there is I'm surprised. Uh, well, no one watches Rice basketball, but uh, if I was a fan, I'd be arguing that my team got screwed because Rice still technically had a chance to win with 0. 0.8 seconds left. What if they got fouled on a three? Could have gone yeah, overtime.
0: Yeah, yeah. With Tech having the ball crossing half court, actually celebrating, uh, they're about to throw the ball up in the air when they call the technical foul on Rice.
1: Yeah, I uh, well, I mean, obviously, Rice. I'm not, did not much have a sure realistic the, chance to tie it. So yeah,
2: I'm not much for conspiracy theories, but Tech was favored by five and a half in this game. Don't do this. Um. So <laughs> if, uh, Scott if Scott Carr just keeps the his ball. mouth shut, you know. People would have uh, would have won some money or lost some money based on tech yeah, being it's up different by Different people four. winning the money. Yeah, and uh, but uh, I guess Scott Para had the uh, had tech, um, you know, on the money line <laughs> makes, there, and, uh, <laughs> and wanted Bonded. tech to win by more than five and a half. So
1: Pete, Pete Rose over here.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And more Scott Black Sox Para.
1: <laughs> Scott Para, yeah. um, wow, he does not have a great record as a head coach
2: don't wa- I just would not want him to be my coach. Look, like, that's just he
0: he took over a struggling Rice team that was struggling before he got there and they're having a good year this year. Uh, They've yeah, struggled they against Tech, but they're 15 and 7 on the year, above average in conference play. Their record's better than Tech's. Uh granted he's been yeah. there for a few years so you would hope for better improvement faster, but I think oh. that's why he was so upset at the end because we've seemed to be their Achilles heel this year and we're not the best team in the
2: conference.
1: No, not at all. Uh, This is his sixth year there. His first year, they won seven games, and they've been aggressively mediocre, middling ever since. But this year, they are having a good year. But they've lost to Tech twice.
2: Yeah, and I mean, this game we we kind of talked about it. It was like a really weird game. Like Tech could not miss a shot in the first, you know, ten minutes or so of the game. Didn't we hit our first ten shot attempts in the game?
0: Yeah, it was our first nine or ten of the first ten. I mean. That's
2: That's a hot good. start. Hot start. Yeah, we like that. Um and then, you know, just kind of went again on like a 6-minute scoring drought several times throughout the game where it's just like you look at the little chart showing like the the scoring it's like a, a really steep incline and then it's flat for 5 minutes. And then <laughs> basically, you know, we scored 41 points in the first 14 minutes of the game and then we scored like 10 in the next 20 minutes of the game combined so it's just like man what are we what are we doing here and you know i'm sure rice made some adjustments and i thought max fiedler was having a much better game this time against us than he did last time but you know they they were really taking advantage of of our defending because we were (laughs) somehow they kept getting kobe williams in one-on-one defensive situations in the post with max fiedler who's like literally eight (laughs) inches taller than kobe williams so uh yeah you'll take that if you're rice but Ultimately, we got the job done down the stretch, which is, you know, nice to see because we haven't always done that this year. Yeah, I was
0: kind of curious to see how hot we were from three, especially in the first half, and especially with our three-point specialist, Keyston Willis, out due to injury, something I don't think any of us were aware of before the game started. Uh, Caleb Stewart didn't start in his place, but he contributed as the three-point specialist in this one, scoring 17 points off the bench, second only to Kobe on the night. And I guess this really sums up Tech's night overall is Caleb Stewart's line hitting five of his first six three-pointers all in the first half and then missing his last five.
1: That sounds about right.
2: Yeah. Hot and then cold. Yeah, and he kept he kept trying in the second half, which you know isn't necessarily a bad thing, but just like he's not necessarily our key player normally. So maybe once he misses a couple, and you know, our, our guy Chris Mykowski was on the call and he was talking about how. Like, man, when when Caleb Stewart misses in this game, he's like airballing it. <laughs> you know, it was he made a bunch and then he missed and everyone he missed was like five feet off felt like. So, you know, five for eleven not that bad on the night. But when you miss like six of them in a row, <laughs> maybe you should have stopped a little earlier. Nice to see Isaiah Crawford not get in foul trouble in this game, too. I've been. Hoping to see that for a while here. Uh, he had 14 points and only two personal fouls.
0: Yeah, this seemed like a night where they were not going to call a lot of fouls, especially early on. Uh, but second half, both teams actually got call- called for quite a few. Jordan Crawford ends the night with four. Mickey Mason, I guess, the guy who uh, turns the ball over at the end, gets, is, ends the night for four for Rice. Or not turns the ball over, but commits the the charge, yeah. uh, which I guess was his fourth foul and also a turnover. So that, that still tracks. Yeah, this was... Not the greatest night by the Bulldogs, especially if you just look at something like the second half or even really that third quarter uh, of this game, those 10 minutes to open up the second half where they were outscored by 14. Not great, but a dub's a dub. And to be able to bounce back when you had all the momentum, you went cold, the other team bounces back and even takes the lead, and you still have the perseverance to hang in there and come out with a victory anyway, is tougher than it sounds.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, nice to Some see the team bounce there. back after. I mean, I've mentioned this before. Ken Palm breaks the game down into four quarters. We scored thirty-one points in the the quote first quarter, then thirteen in the second and third. So that's how they caught up. And then in the fourth quarter, they they rebounded and and uh, you know went up to twenty-three points and ultimately needed those to win the game. Yeah. So it's nice to see the team bounce back. Like you know, it's easy to coast when you're up what forty-four to twenty in the first half. You know, it's you got a ninety nine point two percent win percentage on ESPN uh, BPI at that point. And then, you know, Rice Rice came back. I don't like that part of it, but Rice and, you know, had a 63 percent chance to win with five minutes left in the game. And then Tech turned it around and, and was able to make it happen. So, you know, it's nice to see that like like the first UAB game at home, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a 24 point lead, but we led the whole game. And then the second that they, that UAB starts hitting more shots, you know, and, and we can't seem to buy a bucket. We just kind of folded, right. And you end up losing by nine. So this is nice to see. And rice isn't a bad team this year. So hopefully we can build some momentum off of this going into, uh, going into this week.
0: Yeah. We'll need it for Saturday, but we could also use it for Thursday as well. Yeah. Because on Thursday, February 9th, At 6 p.m. Central at the Ocean Bank Convocation Center in Miami, Florida, or streaming on ESPN Plus, Tech will take on FIU. That's their sponsor. It's the Ocean Bank, and
1: I guess it's the Convocation Center. It's a bank in an ocean. Yeah. Do you you think Poseidon
0: Poseidon needs a checking account? (laughs) It doesn't want to commute all the way inland.
1: What? Yeah, apparently. And that is against FIU, who have a fairly similar record to us.
0: Yeah, they look similar to tech in a lot of ways. They're 12 and 12 on the year. So we still edge them out a little bit in terms of overall ranking and also by Ken Palm ranking as the Panthers are ranked 209th. Meanwhile, tech is 141st, uh, but also like the Bulldogs, they've had an up and down season, some good wins uh, like UAB as who FIU has beat at home in overtime. Tech wasn't able to do that, but that blazer team also had just snapped a four game winning streak by FIU on Saturday Hopefully Tech is able to find a way to do what UAB did and beat the Panthers.
2: Yeah, I mean Tech is nine and seven all time against FIU, uh, but they haven't, and they haven't lost a game since that weird pod play experiment we did a few years ago. I don't know if y'all remember that, but the thing where they decided who we were playing like around now (laughs) of, of the season. That sucked. So yeah, nine and seven, not great, but haven't lost a game in a few years here. So going out on the road, yeah. I mean Nathan, what what is good about this team um about the what are they the panthers yeah
0: yeah what's good the about golden that? panthers i think historically i think they were the sunblazers at one point oh they had that weird mascot but here's how fie succeeds when they work well this is what happens they're the 16th best stealing defense in college basketball mm, okay so they get steals they force the turnover then they quickly head down the court to score in transition 30 percent of their shots come in transition. So nearly a third of the time they take a shot, it's because it came in transition when they're rushing down the court. That's the ninth highest in Division One basketball. Wow. Um, their effective field goal percentage is already pretty good, 52%. That's in the top 100. But that goes up by a few points to 55% when they're in transition. So mm-hmm. they struggle in other areas of the game. They struggle in in things like uh, defensive rebounds and uh, three-point shooting, both offensively and defensively. But... When they're able to get those steals, force situations that become those transition opportunities, that's when they do well. So if Tech is able to hold on the ball and not turn the ball over, they disrupt that whole machine and can keep FIU from executing the game plan that they want to execute.
2: Yeah, Tech only had eight turnovers against Rice. So that that's hopefully our game plan this week will will be similar and, you know, try to hold on to the basketball, not make all those mistakes we, we get into sometimes. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the Ken Palm chart here and you're absolutely right, Nathan. They have a few things they're very good at, uh, but they're pretty bad in some other areas. They don't shoot the three pointer very well. They're near the bottom. Uh, they're in the bottom like quarter, number 284 overall in three point percentage. They give up a lot of steals as well offensively. So they're ranked 346th in that. So they they don't play a particularly clean brand of basketball themselves. They don't really pull down a lot of offensive boards. Uh, You know, they don't go to the line particularly often. So it seems like this team's really going to struggle if you can get into a possession game, right? If you're not giving them the basketball at half court and letting them, you know, run the length of the floor, um, they're going to have trouble scoring.
0: So who do we think are some of the players that may try to run the court and score on the Bulldogs?
1: Uh, The fellow named after the capital of Colorado. Yeah. That's what I was going to pick. I mean, John Williams,
2: but is that
1: the capital of Colorado?
2: No, I oh,
0: don't know. I'm just guessing a player
2: because
0: <laughs> the guy's name is John Williams. A great
1: name. Yeah.
0: So Denver Jones is your
1: pick. Yeah. Denver Jones. Uh, he's our leading scorer. So looks like all the scoring goes through that fellow.
2: Yeah. He's second in the conference with 19 and a half points per game. Um, Second only to, to our boy, Jelly, uh, Jelly Walker. Yeah, making making 49.5% of his field goal attempts too. Not bad. So, not bad for a
1: guard, for sure. Yeah. From Alabama. his name mm. is Denver. Very confusing. Newmarket Alabama.
2: Anyway, yeah, Evan, who do you have? Well, you know, they depend on steals to generate those transition buckets and I'm going to go with uh their uh 5'11" freshman Arturo Dean. He uh forces steals on 5.1% of opponent possessions. That's 11th best in the country. So that he's, he's the engine there. Uh, Denver Jones also pretty good at that, but yeah, Arturo Dean is, is really the one to look out for there. Uh, He put, he's our point guard. So I guess, you know, wouldn't surprise me if he's kind of a Kobe Williams type, to be honest with numbers like that.
0: And a true freshman also from Miami. So hometown kid playing his first college basketball yeah, what that five percent steal percentage really means in terms of, you know, fractions, which are more fun than <laughs> percents, is one out of every twenty possessions the other team has, he gets a steal.
2: Yeah, that's, that's when pretty he's on good. the court. Yeah.
0: That's, that, that's that's pretty good.
2: Kobe Williams by comparison is uh is three and a half percent, which is 109th ninth in the country. So nothing to you know, nothing to uh to shake your head at, but you know, so this guy's like Kobe Williams, you know but with more steals. I don't know. <laughs> I'm <sorry. That's> right. <laughs> I had somewhere to go, but I lost it. So, you know.
0: Yeah, where I'm going to go, though, is to Mohamed Sanago. They're a six foot nine sophomore uh, who most often plays the five really because he's their inside threat down low. He's shooting 73 percent from two, which is the eighth best in college basketball. Seventy eight percent of his shots come from the rim. Sorry, actually, 82% of his shots come from at the rim, wow. and he's hitting wow. 78% of those. So this is a guy that will bully you down low, and are we going to be able to stop him with a combination of people like Kenny Hunter and and Draven Magnum and whoever else, uh, Will Allen, whoever else tries to guard him down low, will we be able to stop him in a way that other teams haven't really been able to this year?
1: Mm. Sounds like we're fucked.
0: You say that, but the computer polls seem to give us some pretty good odds, or at worst a coin flip because that's what KenPom gives us, a 51% chance to win. Oh,
1: okay. Barely
0: better than than you know 50-50. 73 to 72 final score predicted. Massey gives Tech a 64% chance to win. Final score predicted of 74 to 61, and ESPN BPI gives Tech a 56.8% chance to win this game.
1: Do we also think that this goes
0: the Bulldogs way?
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Tech uh, probably by 8 to 10 points. So not by 20.
0: No. I guess I <laughs> Tech was up against Strice by 20 at one point, so uh, I yeah, guess it looks, they, they
1: fulfilled it. Looks it.
2: like you were going to be right.
1: <laughs> and then well, the second half. I wasn't, Evan, so. Yeah, Evan, what do you think?
2: This is a really tough road trip, and I think we really, really need to win one of these games um, over in Florida. And I think this one's the better sh- the better shot at winning. The so better shit. The better chance is what I was going to say, I guess. Chance, shot, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Tech's going to win this one. I think it's going to be close. I'll say like 68 to 66 Tech wins on the road.
0: Yeah, I think it gets into the 70s, but I think that this is a game that the Bulldogs are able to win. I don't think it will go like the Rice way of jumping out on top or anything like that, but... I think we just will limit turnovers, and I think that will be drilled into us all week in practice, and we'll limit those turnovers and win the game because of that. Too bad the next game we play won't be as winnable, uh-huh. because on Saturday, Tech travels, I guess, up the coast a little bit, up to FAU and Boca Raton. Saturday, February 11th at 1 p.m. Central at Baldwin Arena, or streaming on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, there aren't many resumes in college basketball more impressive than FAU's. They are 22 and 2 on the year with the only losses coming to Ole Miss and Oxford and UAB in Birmingham. Yeah. Not the news you want to hear when you're heading to a team <laughs> that they have yet to lose at home.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um and yeah, those two losses to pretty good teams. So <laughs> um yeah, FAU seems pretty legit this year and you know, I'm excited to see how we stack up against them, but you know this this isn't the first time we've played Dusty May the former tech assistant under Mike White um but he really seems to have his squad going here in like year what seven of his coaching down there so yeah you know it's hard to it's hard to like say oh we should have hired him because like we're on our second coach since him now so uh, and FAU really hasn't had that much success until this season but you know being 22 and 2 and I guess they were 21 and 1 before last week and that's that's pretty good. Got a nice yeah. little 20-game win streak there sandwiched in the middle of their schedule.
0: Yeah, and one of those wins on the year came against Florida, who used to employ Dusty May's former boss, Mike White, when he was coaching at Tech. Uh, Mike White got fired from Florida going up into this year, and then, you know. He
2: didn't, he didn't get fired exactly. It was just like Georgia offered him the job and he left, but it was kind of like, eh,
0: it kinda of sounded like a either find your own job or you right, will be fired. Exactly.
2: So yeah. okay. So he was pre-fired. Yeah, it was kind of like a don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of situation.
0: Yeah, like we wanted to pretend like Skip Holtz did that to go to the USFL. It's like, oh yeah, of no, course. we we just this was a mutual thing. It's not a breakup. You didn't yeah. break up with me. I didn't break <laughs> up with you. It's mutual. Yeah, anyway, but yeah, Dusty May, FAU, they beat Florida this year, which is pretty big just from an FAU over Florida thing. Like that's us beating LSU, I guess. But also Yeah, sure. Payback for blaming Mike White for things that were beyond his control. Anyway, Evan, what can you tell me about this team?
2: Oh, man, Um, they're good. I mean, looking at their their Ken Palm chart here, it's a lot of green. They shoot the two very well. They they shoot the three well. They don't get blocked. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They, uh, you know, defensively, they force a lot of bad shots. They have the 13th best two point percentage against in the country. So, you know, that tells me they're making you take a lot of mid-range shots. I don't know if you have that the ability to see that, Nathan, but, you know, that tells me they're not letting teams get to the rim a lot, and they're dominating the boards on both sides of the court. I mean, it's green up and down the chart. No matter what category you look at, they're usually within the top 50, if not top 100. The only things they're not really good at are opponents have a good free throw percentage against them, which... I don't really know what to make of that. (laughs) And uh, they don't block a lot of shots defensively either. But, you know, other than that, it's pretty good.
0: It's actually kind of surprising. They do give up about a third of their shots at the rim. It's actually kind of a third all the way down. A third of the shots they face are at the rim. A third are two-point jumpers and a third are three-point shots. Uh, Meanwhile, Tech gives up or ends up facing a lot more three-pointers than anything else. But then around the same number of at-rim put-ups so who knows it's also they're, interesting they're finding a way they, to defend it either
2: way They're third best in the nation in assist to field goal made on defense so that means that so 36 percent of the time their opponents make a shot it has an assist with it you know that's that's third best so i guess that tells you that they play a lot of isolation they don't really leave guys open um so i don't i don't know man i don't I don't necessarily see a path to victory here, but I guess UAB was able to beat them.
0: Yeah, if UAB is able to do it, anybody's able to do it. Don't pay attention to how good they are on the year. Just assume that's always going to be true because UAB couldn't possibly be the only Conference USA team able to beat FAU this year. That would just be unfair. Uh, Let's go to players to watch, though. I'm sure it just kind of applies to this whole team. But Matt, is there any owl that you have your eye on?
1: You know our history with owls. Got Para. We beat them twice this year. <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, is there anyone I'm particularly concerned about? Well, given the uh, recent increase in Chinese balloons and Soviet oh propaganda, I'm going to go with Vladislav Golden.
0: Did you realize halfway through that sentence that you realized Vladislav is not a Chinese name?
1: No. Most okay. of the time I start a sentence, I don't know where it's going to end. But uh, that's fair. he's their leading rebounder. Uh, he's seven foot one from Nalchik, Russia. So yeah, he's a big old boy, uh, plays the center position. Just, uh, also averaging 10 points a game, Man is almost a walking double double. Uh, so yeah, he's pretty spectacular. He's going to be hard to guard.
0: Yeah. If you just look at his conference stats. So since they've started conference play this year, he's the second best offensive rebounder in conference USA, the fourth best defensive rebounder in conference USA, Ah, uh, the fifth best two point shooter in conference USA. Uh, yeah, and he's seven foot one, which I guess goes to help yeah, uh, offensive and defensive rebounding numbers. But yeah, I'm,
2: I'm yeah,
0: I'm scared. Good luck, Kenny. Evan, who do you have your eyes on?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go with the only guy whose name I really recognize off this squad from the past games we've played against them, um, and that is Michael Forrest he's not the flashiest guy in terms of their stats, but he's their senior leader. You know, this team has exactly one senior on the roster and it's Michael Forrest. So he doesn't play, you know, a ton of the minutes. He plays about 50% of the minutes at either the point or shooting guard, but this guy's their leader. He's the, he's the guy that they're going to look to, um, you know, if it's a close game down the stretch, he's the guy that needs to step up and, uh, and provide that leadership. So He's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, but he's, he's not exactly jumping off the stat sheet here, but, um, Michael Forrest is my player to watch.
0: Yeah. This is a fun one because usually there are one or two players that really jump off the page, but I think what makes FAU special and possibly yeah. why they're so good this year is because they have a bunch of players that are pretty good. Yeah. And there's not one that really outshines any of the other ones. I, some are taller than, so they stand above them, I guess, and Vladislav stop, Golden's stop. stance. But there's no one here that has a top 10 stat in some category. Uh, that said, though, uh, John L. Davis is who I'll be afraid of if this is a close game and if Tech is going to win this game, it will be a close game because FAU's real weakness this year, if there is one, is free throw shooting. And they're not even that horrible at it, they're only 1% lower from the free throw line than any other team or than the average team in college basketball, but he's the guy they're going to try to send to the line. If we're going to foul them to make them hit a free throw or miss and try to get a rebound, like the whole shenanigans you do at the end of a basketball game that really slow the whole thing down. He's who they'll try to get the ball to. We usually try to get to like Kobe Williams or something like that. They'll try to get it to John L. Davis, number one. And, If they're successful in that, he'll head to the line and he'll make most of his shots. He's shooting 90% from the free throw line this year. That's 28th best in the country. So he may not end up having that big of an impact. Who really knows? But if this is a close game, he'll be on the court and they'll be trying to get him the ball. Nice. However, most, uh, well, I say most, all of the computer polls don't really predict this to be that close of a game. Ken Palm gives Tech a 12% chance to win this game, 65 to 78 final score predicted. Massey gives tech a 34% chance to win the most optimistic of the bunch. And they predict a 68 to 73 game and a win by the owls and ESPN BPI gives tech only a 9% chance to win this game. Wow. So what do we think? Uh, By 20. We return to the classics. Evan, what do you think?
2: Uh, I think if FAU wins this one by 12, Um, I'll say 80 to 68. I don't, I don't think we have a shot. Wow. Yep. Prove me wrong. And call me a bitch while you do it. I don't care.
1: Man's fucking losing his shit.
0: <laughs> which which team calls you the Is it Tech calling you a bitch or FAU calling you a bitch for like jinxing him?
2: Oh, I I mean, I meant I, I meant that tech would call me a bitch, but okay it's like Kobe Williams just like drives by my house being like, bitch. Yeah, or
1: like Will B said, I'm gonna tell it like it is, I'm gonna show you who's the bitch.
0: Yes. I'm just picturing Kobe Williams. Like, flying into Dallas, buying a basketball
2: goal at I think Kobe's, Academy. Kobe's from Dallas, right? Yeah, so, so uh...
0: yeah, he's visiting family, but he goes by, he buys a basketball goal at Academy, sets it up in your driveway, and then go, goes and dunks on your Remember house. the
1: line right after, I'm going to show you who's the bitch is? Got an Armenian girlfriend, and she fuck with me. <laughs> Very specific. Oh, man. A poet of the modern era. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, I think that tech loses this game. I can see them winning it. It's basketball. You never really know. Weird things happen, but FAU is the better team here, so they should win, and they're at home. Yeah, so it is now February, believe it or not, and even more unbelievable sometimes is the fact that baseball starts right around the corner, not this weekend, but next weekend. The Bulldogs will open up the season against BYU at the Love Shack. Since there was only one game this past week against Rice, we figured we'd uh, go ahead and do a little bit of a baseball preview this week. We won't do a full predictions and and all the other stuff, but we figured we go through you know the roster, the schedule, stuff like that, and and kind of give our thoughts about it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, y'all been listening to this show, you know we're super excited about baseball this season. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll just kind of give a surface level of everything that's changed and everything we should be looking forward to, and then I think next week we'll try to dive into some uh, deeper conversations about how we think the season might go and. You know, some predictions and stuff like that. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. So why don't we start out with who's returning on this team? I mean, we lost some key pieces. We lost Taylor Young, Steel Netterville, um, Kyle Krigger. I mean, guys who are like literally, you know, the lifeblood of this program for the last four or five seasons, but also all American caliber players. I mean, my gosh, like how how are we gonna move forward from that? Who's the sort of core group we have coming back, Nathan?
0: Yeah, and we separated this by position players and pitchers. So just to go through the position players first, George Corona, the catcher, is back. Uh, Logan McCloud, uh, Cole McConnell, Philip Metulia—that's a big one. Um, Adarius Myers and Walker Birchfield are probably some of the names that you'd recognize off of last year's team that returned. To hell yeah, I mean the batter's box.
2: I saw George Corona was named like the tenth or eleventh best catcher in college baseball. Um, man, all
0: conference USA. Yeah, it feels
2: like a blessing to have him back again. I mean, if he had been drafted uh, last season, it wouldn't have surprised me. Um, I don't really know how the baseball draft works, to be honest with you. But nobody does. Not even the baseball um, teams. It's like, (laughs) I don't know that guy. But yeah, yeah, George Corona is, you know, a bulldog great already. And he's got another year here to uh, to add to that. I mean, anybody who hits a in the park home run grand slam in the regional with me in the stands is going to be one of my favorite players. <laughs> you got very so. specific at the that's, end yeah, of that That's sentence, all you have to do. That's all you yeah. have to do, you know, to be one of my favorite players of all time. You just have to hit an in the park grand slam in a regional that I am at.
0: Yeah. Not a lot of people on that
2: list, I don't think.
0: <laughs> yeah. To complement those returning Bulldogs, we have some new faces. Um, yeah. One that was on the team last year, but he redshirted. So we didn't get to see him was Jeffrey Ince or Inky. I don't yeah, we'll actually remember how, how to pronounce say that his name. Yeah, yeah, we'll
2: find out. I, I don't transfer know. from
0: Mississippi State. Uh, he's not the only SEC transfer on this team, though, because infielder Will Safford and outfielder Brody Drost. That's yeah. right. Brody. Uh, both are from LSU.
2: Yeah. You know, all, all these guys will be contributors this year for sure you know, I don't want to speculate at this point as to who the starters are going to be. Um, don't know exactly how each of those guys will contribute right off the bat, but they will be in the rotation this year. And that's something coach Burroughs has talked about a lot is like having a lot of depth on this team. And the coaching staff is going to have to learn how to keep the five guys who should be starting, but are sitting on the bench in any given game happy, right? Like th- there's going to have to be a little bit of a rotation and, you know all you the guys balloons, of course are
0: clown out in the dugout you know, yeah yeah birthday party stuff it's
2: like put a little tv in there and put on yeah. like uh blues clues or something i don't, yeah, I don't know yeah yeah you get
1: it <laughs> yeah
2: uh, yeah but that's not all the uh you know those are the the sort of flashy sec transfer names but we got a few more don't we
0: yeah we have some junior college transfers you know, either it's either SEC or junior college on this team uh, infielder Dalton Davis out of Tyler junior college infielder, Ethan Bates, who we'll mention again, also in the pitching section in a little bit from Navarro junior college and outfielder Jonathan Hogart from Wabash Valley college.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if, you, if you go look at one of my new favorite additions to Twitter in uh, there's a new account called at diamond dogs data, and it's basically some kind of account that's like tweeting out launch angles of home runs and stuff so you know these those three names you just read Bates Davis and Hogart are names that are showing up in this uh home run data here pretty consistently right there's the most recent tweet is home runs by Dalton Davis and Carson Evans but whoever's running this tweeted out this is basically a Dalton Davis fan account at this point and so i definitely give that account a follow because they're tweeting out like videos of home runs from a center field camera. They're tweeting out like the launch angle of this home run was 22.1 degrees, went 343 feet and left the bat at 100 miles per hour. So that is uh, a pretty cool uh, and obviously their target demographic is me and Nathan. But um, yeah. <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, check out that account. But Brody Drost also with the home run off the top of the batter's eye. I mean, yeah. Just just good stuff all around here.
0: Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to see them tweet out some pitching numbers as well because although home runs are the most fun part about baseball to some people, I could really go for some good pitching. And luckily, we have some great returners coming back to this team this year, including a couple weekend starters or who have been announced as weekend starters heading into yeah. the year. And Jonathan Fincher and Greg Martinez.
2: Yeah, I mean – Man, J- Jonathan Fincher may be one of the best college pitchers in the nation, right? I mean, he's an All American. He's, uh, he's, he's our Friday guy, right? I mean, we're gonna roll with Jay Finch, right? I mean, come on, what more do you need? Well, you need more than one pitcher, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> Greg Martinez looking to take a step forward. I mean, Coach Burrows has been talking about how much he's he's improved on his already team leading velocity. So he's really he's really hammering those upper nineties right now consistently. Um, we've seen him hit 99, I think, in a game in the past. So if he can just find the strike zone more consistently, he will be uh, I believe the Saturday starter. And yeah, I mean, I'll I'll read off some of these names too, Nathan, so you don't have to read them all off. But other returning pitchers, we got Ryan Harlan, the freshman All-American from last year. Uh Landon Tompkins, Anthony Giannette, uh, and Tanner Knight. You know, these are the guys that if we're gonna be if we're gonna have as special of the year as I think we can have. We're going to need um, all these sort of uh, middle inning and late inning pitchers to really step up.
0: Yeah, we'll also need some new faces to also make an impact because we announced two of the weekend starters earlier and Jonathan Finch and Greg Martinez. The third is a transfer, Raleigh Hector, yeah. out of, it's either a JUCO or an SEC school. Let's uh, roll the <laughs> the dice real quick. It's an SEC school out of Texas A&M.
2: Yeah. Raleigh Hector is gonna be really, really, really good. I'm very excited to watch him play uh in a bulldog uniform. Um, and he was an in-studio guest on Bleed Tech Blue Radio a couple weeks ago. Go listen to that. It is it is so, so good. Like he was hanging out with Ben in uh uh a- in studio for about forty or so minutes, but he talks about, you know, like his past and you know how he got to tech, why he chose tech. But Raleigh Hector, like, he has played He played for like Team USA, kind of like Junior Lofton did like the U-19 thing. He played for Team USA on like the, I don't know what they call it, but like the 15-year-old team and the 16-year-old team. And like this guy's gone to like South Korea representing the United States, playing baseball with guys who are like now professional baseball players at his same age. Right. So like this guy is good. He's very, very good. Um, So obviously now that I say that, you know, maybe he won't be as good but i'm just very very excited uh to watch him play and definitely check out that interview if you have not um in your podcast feed cuz it's it's worth your time
0: yeah perfect game baseball has him as the 171st best player in the country so yeah that that says a lot yeah so hope to see good things out of him the other 3 guys we have uh as new faces there are more on the team but And we have freshmen, too, that will try to fight for some playing time. But the three other guys who kind of caught my eye are Grant Hubka out of Iowa Western Community College, Reed Smith out of Tyler Junior College, uh, second player out of that school name so far. And Tyler Junior College has been kind to Louisiana Tech in the past in terms of baseball. And then Ethan Bates, the guy who I mentioned earlier is also being an infielder. He is even officially listed as an infielder slash pitcher.
2: Yeah. Also, he's been cranking home runs in these yeah. scrimmages. So, yeah, you're not going to keep this guy off the field. Basically, it seems like. Yeah
0: our our personal Shohei Otani is Ethan Bates.
2: Yeah. So obviously, like we kind of talked about the returners and the the new faces and and everything. But I know we're going to talk more about this next week. But. I mean, who are you most excited to see, Nathan? Like, I've talked about George Corona and Raleigh Hector. Like, who, which guys are you like most excited to watch, you know, before we've even seen a, a pitch of baseball this season?
0: I'm excited to see the two LSU guys and Will Safford and Brody Drost, if only because what I've heard from a couple of LSU fans that I know of, oh, well, they weren't good enough to be at LSU. So that's why you got them. Like the kind of arrogance of oh well they're not really that good because if they were good they would have stayed at LSU kind of thing and I can't wait for them to tear it up and prove everyone wrong what, become all Americans what was
2: our what was our record against LSU last year I they say I, it
0: won't count because I don't know I forgot what the exact excuse what, was
2: what but. what did what did uh, what did their coach say about you know playing Tech this season uh, oh he said he said they didn't want to play us this season oh. That's weird. OK, you know, no, no, nothing against the Tigers, right? They're number one in the nation. They're very, very good. <laughs> They're going to have a great year, but they didn't they didn't want to play tech. So I'm just saying, I mean, they
0: wanted to keep that number one ranking and not have yeah, two exactly. additional losses on their exactly. resume. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the guys I want to say go off.
2: Uh, you know, I also want to see who's going to who's going to be Kyle Krieger this year. Right. Like we need a closer. And I, I think all signs are pointing to Tompkins, but. I want to see it, you know, Yeah. so um, please
0: don't break your hand again.
2: Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about the players and everything um, next week on next week's show. I think we'll, we'll do a little bit deeper dive into, you know, maybe who the starting lineup might be and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But let's look at the schedule real quick too, because I think it's a, uh, a pretty exciting slate that we have lined up this year. And, you know, yeah, I just think it's, it'll be good to go over here.
0: Yeah lots of games at the love shack tech has done a good job of scheduling some teams that people will want to see Uh BYU in a four game opening series, including a double header on the Saturday, which makes our who's our weekend starter conversation a little more
2: fun because we need to have yeah. four for opening they said weekend TBA for, for the thir- for the fourth one, excuse me.
0: Yeah. We have um, nickel state in a three game weekend series, Northwestern, like, not the demons. Yeah. The wildcats. Cool. Oh, they're coming to town. Yeah. Just to confuse everyone. Uh, for a three-game weekend series, we have Air Force for a couple midweek games in Sacramento State, who just I don't know wanted to see some pine trees. Uh, <laughs> Tech also travels out of conference,
2: Ole Miss. Wow, defending national champs, Ole Miss for for a two-game midweek, and then Arkansas, which let's just go ahead and exclude that one from our most excited about when we yeah. do that in a second because we're going, we're going, we got our tickets on the outfield berm. Let's fucking go. Let's go. All of us. Matt's going. Josh yeah. is going to be there. I mean, whoo, Hell yeah! we
0: will going to have some Eureka
2: Pizza and hang out at Uncle Rolf's. I mean, come on. Yeah,
0: I don't think they, the invitation goes so far as joining us on the berm if you're able to go to the Arkansas. I don't think we can invite the after party yet. Yeah, at, at your uncle's that's house. Fair.
2: But that's fair.
0: <laughs> uh, other games that will be out of conference this year are home and homes against some in-state schools and one that wishes it was in-state and ULM, Northwestern State, ULL, and Southern Miss.
2: Yeah. Glad to see Southern Miss still on the, uh, on the schedule. Wish it was a three game series. Um, but you know, home and home is, is nice too. Cause we'll get them in the love shack. Also obligatory fuck ULL. Yeah. And then we get into conference play. Obviously the conference looks a little different this year. Um, we get home series against Charlotte who should be very good this year. FIU Dallas Baptist new conference mate. Who's very, very good. Uh, UAB and UTSA. Uh, UTSA looks, I mean, they're returning pretty much everybody from what I understand off of their team last year that, that came, you know, a couple outs away from beating us for the conference title. Um, then away series at Western Kentucky, Dallas Baptist, rice, middle Tennessee, and FAU FAU also should be very good this year. So yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I'm really excited though, for that final weekend of the season against UTSA a rematch of the finals of last year.
2: Yeah, no, that'll be awesome. Um, and it's at home, so we don't have to play it like a little league field. So that's nice. <laughs> Where does um, UTSA baseball play? It's, it's real bad. It's oh. worse than their, ba- it's worse than their basketball facility. How? Um, yeah, really, really excited about that DBU series as well, uh, here in Dallas. Cause Nathan and I will be at that one too. So come yeah. say hi to us and get some stickers. If you're at any of these away games, um, I, would love to make it over to the shack too so we'll I'll have to see about that
0: also i typed it into google utsa baseball stadium and it told me alamo dome so i don't <laughs> think that that is that doesn't great. sound right they just play yeah. in the
2: parking lot of the alamo dome <laughs>
0: <laughs> they don't even paint the lines for the field yeah. they just play on the football turf of the alamo dome no one's yeah. really looking anyway
2: yeah. I mean, honestly, and this is kind of dumb. I'm, I'm like most excited right now for the BYU series. Cause I just want, the, I just want them <laughs> back on the field, man. I just want to watch the, the team, you know, I, I want to see how this all comes together and, you know, really, really excited, um, to just, to just watch some baseball, man. Like shit, it's February. February does not feel like baseball time, but I'm getting amped up for it right now. So this four game series to open up um at home against BYU will be will be really really fun especially because like you know we've been able to practice and stuff and BYU is probably like iced in right now so uh could be some pretty crazy games also nice to see Air Force coming in after uh the the regional last year where I got sunburned to hell basically sitting right behind home plate but yeah nice to see them coming in so anyway uh, really exciting stuff from baseball. Like I said, I mean, we probably talked about this for already 20 or so minutes here, but we'll cover it a little bit more in depth, you know, give predictions and, um, you know, maybe pick our like actual player to watch and newcomer or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Y'all know yeah. how we do.
0: Yeah. yeah. But before we wrap up the entire show, we have some other sports to talk about very briefly, as this is already a little bit of a longer show because <laughs> of all the baseball stuff. In women's basketball, the texters lost to Rice this week 57-60 to 60, in a game that involved 10 lead changes and 9 ties. And it was during one of those ties, it was at 57 points apiece, with 22 seconds left. Tech calls timeout with the ball to drop an offensive play to try to take the lead, but then turn the ball over on the inbound and foul the shooter when they go up for a layup. And after the and-one opportunity, suddenly Rice is up by 3, Latissant misses the final three-pointer to tie and the Texters lose this game 60
2: to 57. Yep, pretty pretty brutal, you know, unfortunate way to lose against a pretty good Rice team on the road. Um this week they have FIU and FAU uh both at home. We've got a 69% chance to beat FIU. Nice. nice. Uh, 69 to 62. Nice. Uh so double nice there. Um and then it's giving us a 71% chance to beat FAU 67 to 59. Yeah, but outside of that, we had golf open their season this past weekend. We're going to talk about all the sports, I promise. They went into the final day of their spring opener tied for fourth, but had their first bad day of the tournament and fell into a tie for eighth with, uh, I think, Fordham or Furman? I don't remember. Uh, But junior golfer James Swash... Finished in the top twenty-five individual, which is his third uh third straight top twenty-five finish. So pretty, pretty nice stuff from from Swash.
0: Yeah, I mean, how can you not root, root for a guy whose name is Swash? Well, meanwhile, the tennis team swashbuckled the South Arkansas University, whatever their nickname is. Not once, but twice, oh, is that the Mule shutting riders? them out. Hold Are on. they the
2: Mule Riders? Hold on, <laughs> I know this has already gone long. The Mule Riders, yes.
0: We swashbuckled the Mule Riders. Yeah, that's them out.
2: that's never been said before.
0: And both of the matches we had against them. Or t- games, or that's however how, tennis works. How, whatever, yeah. yeah.
2: Not once, but twice we shut them out. Uh, softball also gets started this weekend. If you're in Ruston, it'll be a home series um, against Southeastern Missouri State. Uh, Massey gives Tech a 57% chance to win that, uh, those games in that series. Tech currently is ranked 93rd overall in Massey to start out the season. They were picked fourth in Conference USA. Pretty good teams in Conference USA this year. So it, it could end up being a uh could end up being a two-bid league, hopefully, uh with Tech as one of those two bids would be ideal. Yeah. Um center fielder uh, Sierra Sacco and shortstop Amanda Gonzalez were named to the all-conference USA preseason team. And I know their coach earlier today was talking about how exciting their schedule is. They've got, I think, LSU and ULL coming in for games at Billy Bundrick. Excuse me, Dr. Billy Bundrick Field.
0: But the doctor on his name.
2: Yeah, I can't disrespect the man. Um, Or the field. The field's
0: actually the one with a doctorate degree. Billy Bundrick did not have the doctorate. The field (laughs) earned his diploma.
2: Yeah, really excited to see the softball season get started up again. Sierra Sacco was a great story last year as a true freshman, so excited to see her uh, development as well here as a sophomore.
0: Yeah, and there was some excitement on the track and or field this week too, right?
2: So yeah, pretty good weekend at the Jaguar Invitational. We had eight top five finishes, including four podiums and six more personal records uh, set by the team or by individuals on the team. Um, Tech took home two gold medals at the event mateo smith in the long jump which nathan i just want you to guess how far this man jumped to take home a gold medal
0: can you tell me what the unit of measurement is it it's
2: it's feet and inches okay uh 13 feet uh not even close man 23 feet (laughs) 10.75 inches uh how i mean how (laughs) how So the other uh, gold medalist was Nimoy Crockett, who won the weight throw. Uh, That's all the information I have about that. So I don't know how heavy the weight is or what, but however heavy it is, he threw it 19.38 meters, which is 63 feet, seven inches. So that seems very far to throw something described as a weight. (laughs) So it is
0: a 35 pound weight. Oh my God. I'm not sure if that's college, but that's the American standard. One final thing to do, and that's this week's Tweet of the Week. And the sport that we neglected to talk about this week is football, and we'll rectify that with the Tweet of the Week. This week's Tweet of the Week goes to at Bellinson Matt, who provides a TikTok for us on Twitter. It's, it's fun the way that you have to do that, but it's a TikTok from Hank Bachmeyer, the transfer quarterback that Tech picked up a couple weeks back, trying Whataburger for the first time. And he quotes the TikTok saying, I'd probably take this burger over In-N-Out. Not going to lie, 8 out of 10. And you're right. Whataburger is better than
2: In-N-Out. Ooh, man, you're lucky my wife doesn't listen to this show. Um, <laughs> In-N-Out's uh,
0: fine, but
2: Whataburger is better. Yeah, I, I like them both. I think they're both good. I don't know. Uh, they're both good. Is that legal? I don't know. But anyway. Not in 2023. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, Hank... Getting into the culture, right? I mean, it, get this man to griffs, though. Like, that that on. is
0: what one, one of the replies says what you are, must find griffs.
2: Wh- yeah, what are we doing here?
0: <laughs> anyway, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please do Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or follow us on Instagram at gtpdd.dog or fo- go to our website gtpdd.dog where you can buy... Our merch, including the shirt of the month or the sweatshirt of the month, which is a Lady Texters themed national championships shirt. Hell yeah! Showcasing all three of them, and you should get it. If you don't, if you want baseball merch, go find the baseball moms selling shirts yeah. and other merch right now. But if you want basketball merch, you should check out that shirt. GTPDD.Dog/Shop. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And I'm Matt. And Go Tech, please don't die.
1: was scared earlier today man i went to panda express for lunch it was delicious
0: okay I was about to say is that the scary part No, but
1: after i finished and i was walking out the door guess what song was playing over the loudspeakers was it bon jovi no i would not be on this podcast if that would have been the case
0: <laughs> arrested
1: for burning down a panda yeah, Express. Yeah, it was fucking i did it by dave matthew's band oh man and i said to myself it's it's unusual to hear Dave Matthews playing over the loudspeakers anywhere at a restaurant, but I mean,
2: usually, usually it's not. I did it at. That's Panda what I mean. Express, I, I'll say that <laughs> yeah. here.
1: I am walking up to the now, car. now. I did it
2: was the lead single from Everyday, but I mean, come on, man, still, that's so... but that but that album came out 20, 22, 22 years ago. Years ago at this am still point. waiting for the final release.
1: <laughs> come on, Dave, but. What the fuck? Well,
0: I mean, I don't know anything about this song, but I looked at the lyrics and the first line is I'm mixing up a bunch of magic stuff, which kind of sounds like Panda Express to me.
2: A magic mushroom cloud of care. Come on. Yeah. Man. Have you
1: had their mushroom chicken yet? I started uh, <laughs> hastily moving towards my Honda. Come on, man. All... There's the title right there. Hastily moving, moving towards, my, towards Honda. my Honda.
0: If only this uh, weren't in the coda, that'd be a weird yeah, place right? to pull the title from. <laughs>